Well, hello, PW Torch. We are going to talk about Elimination Chamber Perth. Uh, I almost said 2024. It is called Elimination Chamber Perth. I'm Kelly Wells. I'm hosting the uh, Roundtable Post Show. Uh, we did this when we could because this show was at quite the unconventional time for us here in the States. Uh, and we're going to talk about how predictable a show is allowed to be. Um, I'm here with uh, with Rich Fan. And uh, Hello. Tom Martin. Yeah, sorry, I, I paused. I suppose I could have said, hey, go ahead. Um, and Todd Martin. Hello. <laughs> All right, <laughs> folks. Uh, men of many words. Uh, we will get there. Uh, did you watch the pre-show? I, uh, I watched this show after the fact, so I did know there was a match there. So I decided to check it out. Kabuki Warriors. Defeating Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell, uh, Indy's win here in her home country was to not be the one who got pinned. Candice played face in peril. Uh, Todd, did you see this match? I did see this match, correct. Okay. Uh, what'd you think of this uh, quasi-opener? It was it was okay. I mean, it was the weakest match on the show for sure um, because Indy Hartwell is not uh, the world's greatest in-ring competitor, and they uh, you know they need to feature her a lot. But there's nothing wrong with it. The crowd was you know the crowd was into it because of Indy being from uh, from Australia, um, and the crowd gave them a nice ovation after they lost. So I think it was you know basically what you'd uh, what you'd hope for here. The thing that actually was most notable about this whole thing to me was they put together a graphic for Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell as they were coming out. And this graphic may have been the worst graphic UFC's ever, uh, UFC, WWE's ever used for one of their wrestlers. It was just green color and their names in generic font. Like, I think it could have been put together by, like, a seventh grader in about 10 seconds. It was amazing. I was like, wow, this is not devotion to these people. Um, it, was, uh, it was something. But, yeah, the match itself was uh, not so much. I missed that, and I really wish I hadn't because that's the kind of stupid crap I would eat up. Um, and it would look so funny in that backdrop. Because it's a great venue, really cool to look at, um, really felt enormous. So to see something so so half-assed like that would have been great. Rich, did you see the pre-show? I did not. I, I saw most of the show live because I had a football coaching meeting at 8. So I was up anyway, watch, you know, just because I'd be up. But I missed the pre-show because at some point I, I knew I wasn't going to wake up at like 5 or 6 a.m. Well, then we go to the show proper. We open with the women's uh, elimination chamber match, as one would think you do. Um, I, I mean, it really could only be Becky or Bianca here, I think, based on who's in this. Uh, but did Tiffany Stratton gain a lot from being in this match? Uh, did anyone gain or lose anything else? Liv Morgan, as we are down the stretch, Liv Morgan, I think she finished off. Bianca Belair, but then was immediately open to to Becky finishing her off uh, in quick su succession. This one went 32-15, according to the old Wikipedia. Uh, I thought this was a perfectly decent Elimination Chamber match, not one that I will remember, but tethering these to WrestleMania really does 
make it clear who cannot win. This would be the perfect kind of match to elevate Tiffany Stratton if this was off WrestleMania season, but of course it is not. So did that hurt it? Uh, Rich, go ahead. I don't think it hurt it. Uh, and I think it goes back to your original point about the entire evening where how much chalk is allowable in a pre WrestleMania pay-per-view. I thought Tiffany did well enough where she was established to be on the main roster. I thought the other women had enough spots where they felt like they got what they needed. And, you know, if anything, the question for me coming out of this is really like, where is a Bianca going to go now that uh, we, we know that, you know, finally that there's a path forward for uh, Becky Lynch. I also loved uh, Liv Morgan and Tiffany Stratton essentially Switching, uh, Tiffany always got cheered, often got cheered in NXT also. Uh, People just really like her, her devotion to the character and, you know, what she looks like. All that. Um, Very popular. Uh, I popped huge because I did not know she was from Prior Lake, Minnesota. That is very, very near me. I had no idea she was from here. That is not something they ever uh, said when they announced her here in NXT. But, yeah, I, I... I thought she was so strong Kelly, in this. On, on that point. On that point, yeah. then you can clarify that that's like a legit place. I was figuring. I mean, obviously it's a place, but sometimes they give like places that are designed to make people feel a certain way. So I was thinking that's like the gimmick, like bougie place in Minnesota, but I wasn't sure. I, I know what you mean by I that. In the same boat. It's it's a I real it was place. Like the consequences, New Mexico. <laughs> no, it's a real place, and it's really where she's from, and it's not. It's we have lakes everywhere. So even our crummy towns have lakes. Prior Lake's not a crummy town. It's it's fairly nice, but it's just a town. It, it's very okay. much in the Rick Rude vein of making sure to say he was from Robbinsdale and not uh, Minneapolis. But Robbinsdale just sounds posh. It's actually kind of a dump. <laughs> um, and uh, that's where he's from. That's where Mr. Perfect's from. But Mr. Perfect, they went with... Uh, Minneapolis and Rick Rude, they went with Robbinsdale. But it's funny. I, I the one, the one I think of with that off. is Shaker Heights for the Beverly Brothers, which is sort of a bougie like area yeah. in in uh, in Cleveland. Um, and you know, very chosen out specifically for them. And funny you bring them up. They're Minnesotan too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, go ahead, take it away on the women's match here. Oh, who who now? Uh, you. I think Rich. Uh, got his in yep okay sure um so i thought that the match was uh, was pretty good it was not a uh, you know not a super match by any means but i thought they largely um they largely hit as you mentioned kelly the the star of the match in terms of their performance was uh, was tiffany stratton who has been having a bit of a rough go of it um on smackdown thus far not really necessarily looking that good i don't know whether like she benefited from this match just being more practiced like some of her nxt matches were or just having a better night but um she was looking good as you mentioned the crowd was getting into her she did a uh, um, an impressive somersault sent on off the uh, um, uh, the ch- one of the chamber pods, which was made a, a little less impressive by these bizarre camera angles where they sort of shot her like zoomed in so you couldn't get like have the distance and then sort of shot from below so you couldn't really see where she was landing. But um, it was impressive nonetheless. And the crowd, um, you know, at the point that Liv eliminated Tiffany Stratton, the crowd booed and chanted bullshit, which um, not necessarily, you know, the strongest statement for Liv Morgan, but, um, you know, I think reflected on people enjoying the performances that Tiffany Stratton was uh, was putting on. 
And, uh, and yeah, I appreciated that in contrast to the other chamber, they just had people lose, which is what you should do in a, uh, in a chamber rather than gimmicking it up. And, you know, uh, Liv just beat Bianca and, and, and Becky beat Liv. So, uh, so yeah, I thought it worked uh, perfectly fine for, uh, for what it was supposed to be. And I actually appreciated that Liv just went along with what the crowd was doing. And when they booed her eliminating Tiffany Stratton, she did like the crying, like kind of mocked the crowd. Uh, there's, you know, a fine line. She's a baby face, but uh, I think she she does this kind of stuff a lot. But uh, but yeah, she just uh, she put on the black hat and uh, and mocked the crowd for being sad that she was eliminated. We went next to the tag team championship match. Uh, <laughs> Dom was really amusing in this one. Uh, Finn Balor and Damian Priest defending against the new catch Republic, Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. This got time. This went 17-25. And in the end, of course, uh, Balor and Priest did defend these, uh, isolating Pete Dunne, and they did some moves to him. Um, I would love to tell you what they were, but I didn't write them down, and now I don't remember. But uh, but I liked this fairly well, uh, perhaps marred by the fact that it seemed like Judgment Day was going to hold these through uh, WrestleMania season. Unless we're still up in the air about Finn's contract situation. Uh, if that if that was resolved, I missed it. Uh, but it doesn't seem like something I'd miss. Uh, Todd, the tag team championship. Yeah, I thought it was a good match. Um, you know, as you'd expect, it wasn't a, uh, a super match as well. But um, I thought it it might have been the best match on the uh, on the show, certainly in uh in contention, probably that or the, uh, the men's chamber, just as far as the work, uh, goes. And as far as the split of, um, of, uh, of judgment day, I, I'm not sure when that's going to come. Um, I, you know, I, w- I would not be surprised if, if they kept those titles past WrestleMania, but I would also not be surprised if they imploded before WrestleMania with what seemed to me a potential clue here was that they were really emphasizing they said it at a few points during this match the judgment day used to have problems but now they're really clicking and working smoothly as a team and they made that point a few times which is often a bit of a tell that um the trouble is on the horizon when they're sort of framing oh yeah they've they've gone past all their problems in the past and now things are are, uh, are great i you know random example i mean but this is classic pro wrestling but you know but hard and owen hart like you know breaking up at survivor series 1993 and then like saying oh we we got together during the holidays everything's great and um you know unsurprisingly things were not as great as they uh, made it out to be yeah we'll we'll have to listen for those owen hart dog whistles with uh with with brett behind me and me leading the way uh (laughs) i love owen so much um rich on uh on the tag championship yeah i think the moves you were thinking about were the uh the double choke slam and then the coup de gras which Finn can say, I put my leg under your leg and, <laughs> and just complete the, the Owenisms for, for, for as this thing goes wild. Uh, yeah, I, I thought this was an attaboy for uh, the artist formerly known as uh, British Strong Style to go out, have a good match, and then lose. So I, I was happy with the way it turned out. In terms of the tag titles, I, I think it's going to be them at Mania losing it to whichever uh group of aggrieved persons i guess you know call it the undisputed truth they want to throw at them and uh you know uh kind of give them their day in the sun but other than that you know maybe it's diy but i i don't know i don't think that's the way they go 
men's chamber match was next. Drew McIntyre defeated Bobby Lashley. Kevin Owens, LA Knight, Logan Paul, and Randy Orton. Uh, this one went 36-55. A uh, lot of business here. In Wait, am the, I going crazy? Or did they do the did they do the Cody Seth thing before that? Oh, yeah, you know they did. Like yes, 30, they did. Thirty five minutes. Um, I uh, I I totally forgot about the Cody Seth. Um, because I'm just looking at the match list here. Yeah, Cody Seth. Um, we got another Australian on the show here. Grayson Waller. Um, with Austin hanging out. This was. I guess shorter than I thought this segment would be. Um, yeah. What, what do you take from this, uh, Todd? I didn't think it was terribly notable. Um, you know, you had the Austin theory out there, um, you know, going for cheap heat and not really getting it. Um, Grayson Waller just playing baby face, which is good. I, you know, I, th- I think, uh, you know, rather than, um, you know, trying to have people heal up in their local crowd where you know that they're happy to be home. Just let them be their general personalities. You're not thinking they they turn, but they're also not, you know, healing for no particular reason on their, their home people. I also enjoyed here quoting that uh, Grayson Waller was a teacher before embarking on a pro wrestling career, which was um, nice to hear and uh, not something you would, you know, typically hear in, in recent years where he would, you know, say sports entertainment career. Um, did a shui with Tai Tuivasa of the UFC, which is sort of a cool little um, tie in, and the crowd reacted to. Um, and the most notable thing here was definitely when Cody started talking about The Rock, um, because, you know, at first there were Rocky Sucks chants, but then I'm not sure whether it was just people are you know are like the rock and they, there was a backlash to the idea that he was taking cody's place but once he wasn't taking cody's place and he came back and did his like fun mannerisms that people enjoy people were not wanting you know people to say negative things about rock and they like rock but like or maybe it was just that like cody's shtick seemed kind of uncool i thought this was one of cody's weak promos he was sort of like talking like you know intentionally botching rock's catchphrases i think he said like rudy poo poo at one point and just sort of seemed lame and then was knocking him for not being there and came came across kind of whiny so at that point you started getting cody sucks chance which um you know i don't think a lot of people would have had um you know would be betting on you know a few week uh, you know a week and a half back when uh, people were siding so strongly with cody against the rock so that's something to monitor I mean, it could just be the Australian crowd, but, um, you know, you don't want you don't want the thing where people are sort of taking sides against the baby faces and, and liking each of the baby faces less with people rooting against them because they're sort of perceived as the enemy of the other baby face. Um, I wouldn't think. I mean, that's not always a bad dynamic. Um, but the other notable thing was Cody saying that he wants rock one on one anytime, any place. And Seth did say afterwards that Cody won't be fighting that battle alone. But at the point that they're teasing Cody versus rock match at all. Um, you know, certainly under Vincent Mann, that would be a signal that they're planning on doing that. Um, it could be just like, oh, tease out a little bit, but really we're going to do the tag match. But it seems also entirely possible that, um, and it seems at this point probable, that Rock's involvement with WWE is not going to end at WrestleMania. And he would have, you know, maybe one or two matches after that, I'm thinking, given what they're doing against either Roman or against Cody um, or against both. Um, and the tease here might suggest um, might suggest that. And then, you know, they beat up Austin Theory as you would uh, um, you would expect. So, um, yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, let's hope Rudy Poo Poo is not his uh, suffering succotash moment. Um, I, I think I think we're well clear of that, but it was an interesting reaction. Rich. 
Yeah, and it's interesting, as you guys mentioned this, and, and tradition as if we did this immediately after the show, on Twitter, uh, The Rock just tweeted 10 seconds ago, hope everyone out there enjoys this tonight as much as we did paving the road over the years. There's no business like the pro wrestling business, and I love it, all caps. Boundless respect to my brother at Triple H. Blood, sweat, and thanks for the house. WWE rivals, because it was on at 8 o'clock Eastern, and Triple H had you know, done like a little video. So, you know, there goes that part of the story where, you know, there was respect, disrespect, chairman of the board and all that. You know, I it, I, I feel like the deal in Australia, to Todd's point, when The Rock lost that power of ruining Cody's moment and it became sing along with The Rock, you had a couple of die, Rocky, die signs in the audience. But even that was just because I feel like someone saw that from 25 30 years ago it's like well we got to do this too i feel like a lot of this is the you know you go to vegas and you go to see someone in residence and we're seeing the rock in residence and people were doing the thing they would have done if they had seen him back then live all right we then for real this time went to the men's elimination chamber match 3655 um this one not uh the women's wasn't like Totally a spot fest, but, you know, a lot of high spots. This one, a lot of slapping meat, a lot of trash talk in this one, too. Uh, it really seemed like these were these guys were having a great time doing what they were doing. We've got Drew McIntyre cementing his place uh, as the challenger for Seth Rollins and much uh, a lot of things going on for Logan Paul. He could have a few feuds going on uh, out of this with Owens, L.A. Knight, Randy Orton, any one of them. But uh, came down to Mac and Orton, and uh, Paul inserted himself here. And uh, McIntyre once again gets his, I believe, third big shot at Seth Rollins. Rich, third time's the charm, right? Like at some point he has to get the win. You you say with questions. I I thought this was a really good chamber mainly because it carried all the stories through that we had and then created new ones. So with Drew, that finish is perfect, even though I hate the heavy-handed nature by which Michael Cole throws it out of, he's a hypocrite. It's like, no, he isn't a hypocrite. Again, he's sticking by the Dark Knight rule of, I don't have to kill you, but I don't have to save you. There's nothing that said, this dude gets knocked out, I got to tell the ref, excuse me, sir. There was outside interference. I don't think it's right at this time for me to go for a pin. Nope. Take your win. Get your shot at Seth. Kevin Owens setting himself up to be a member of the Batman, like rogues gallery headbutting the 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 uh, cell. I'm sorry, the uh, the 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 pod while waiting for Logan Paul as Logan Paul's trying to be a smarmy self. Great. Logan being the Rob Van Dam of this elimination chamber was both warranted and enjoyed and then of course as you look at the rest of the crew bobby lashley uh you guys tell me i thought he really hurt himself on that spear because he started cussing the blue streak in a way they had to cut away after he was like looking at what happened to his arm and couldn't really lift his elbow and uh that kind of freaked me out a little bit but other than that like i said top to bottom really enjoyed this match yeah, we'll have to take a look at that on Monday. I thought that too, and I thought maybe something happened with my audio, but I don't know if this was everyone, but 
on my end. I had a lot of audio and short visual issues on this show throughout, in fact. Um, but I don't know if that was everybody's issue. Uh, Todd on the men's chamber. Um, sorry, a few things came up there and now I've, I've, I had them in my head <laughs> to address and then they <laughs> all slipped out with the last one. Um, I, for what it's worth, I didn't have any visual issues, uh, but that wasn't like the key one. As far as the, uh, the Drew and, and, uh, and Seth Rollins thing goes, like, I think it's fine to have one person beat the other person over and over and over again. Like if the other person is just at a higher level, I don't think you need like sort of like, Oh, it's time for the other person to win. I, I, you know, I think like, like Cody and Seth Rollins, I don't see any reason Seth should beat Cody anytime soon. Um, but Drew should absolutely beat Seth because he should be the champion. Um, and he's, <laughs> I think would be a much better champion than Seth. Um, no offense to Seth. who's had good matches, but um, Drew is a much more compelling character. Um, and they've set up feuds with him with all sorts of different people and so him as the uh, the heel champion i think would be great with the obvious caveat that he has to resign with the company because um you know you obviously don't want your uh, your new hot champion to leave for the other uh for the opposition in the middle of it um oh and the, the other one was lashley and i i didn't watching it i wasn't thinking um necessarily that he was uh that he was legitimately injured but i mean you bring up the key point rich which is like you wouldn't expect him to be swearing and then need, needing to mute him if uh you know if he was just doing a regular cell job so you know perhaps there is something going on there and uh you know we'll probably find out in the uh in the next couple of weeks um you also can just hurt yourself i mean you know like ribs can you know be sensitive and uh you know but not necessarily being long-lasting injuries uh, as far as the match went i thought that it was a little bit slow early. I was I was very surprised that LA Knight was one of the two people that started the match. Like, um, I would have put like really high odds against that, given that they typically like to have um, two stronger workers towards the beginning. Um, and I thought it was slow for a while, but then it really started to pick up with you know more aggression, more brawling, um, just a faster pace. And I thought that it was a uh, quite good match down the stretch. Um, my uh, my big quibble with the way they did th- did things was having um, 40% of the people eliminated because of interference with weapons from other people. I feel like that's not like a good ratio for, you know, a big stipulation match. I think, you know, have some courage and just have people win. You can build up WrestleMania matches outside the context of just, you know, giving crap finishes to important matches. Um, and I thought that the two... Um, the two finishes under the two things undercut themselves because it was basically just a redundant um, duplication of the same thing. And I thought the the spot at the end I thought worked um, a lot better with um, you know with Orton having the uh, the match being caught. And I thought that they set it up great where um, where uh, where uh, uh, um, actually no the the spot I really liked was before that I should I should say the spot I really liked was where Logan Paul grabbed the brass knuckles and he's selling it big he's got this big smile on his face he's like oh yeah now I'm gonna clock this guy and then Orton flies in out off the screen with a with an RKO and gets a pin I thought that was a a great spot um, but then the the other spot was then Logan Paul hitting Orton with the knuckles to cost him at the end and I thought if you're gonna do that. Um, with Logan Paul costing Orton the match after being eliminated with the with the weapon, don't do the thing with AJ Styles cost LA Knight the match earlier with the chair, um, which is you know the exact same spot. Particularly since who cares about AJ Styles versus LA Knight? It's just a, you know a random match. Um, uh, you don't need to duplicate the same gimmick. But again, that's you know that's a quip. I thought overall the match was good, um, and uh, you know uh, you know a lot going on in there. I loved that moment, too, with uh, I, I loved the close up framing of Logan Paul. So we were all allowed to be surprised, even though we would have been less surprised if we were there. 
Um, <laughs> so I, I so love that uh, Paul is game for that kind of thing. I, too, was surprised by who opened this match. Um, I mean, you could have it be just about any of them. But if I had put money on it, that's not something I do uh, with wrestling anyway. Um, I would have said Owens and uh, and Paul start this thing um, and then do a little brawl. But it was not to be. All right. Your main event. Uh, Nia Jax was in. A pay-per-view main event. Um, you know, it, it, she's been in Royal Rumble matches that went on last, but uh, but otherwise, this is her big moment. Rhea Ripley, of course, wins this at home. Uh, this is really, really never in doubt. So, a little plotting and sort of. I, I I'm not going to say I disengaged. I watched the whole thing, but it was it was fairly detached. Uh, because it, no doubt here, and I knew it wasn't going to be any kind of five-star classic, but uh, but Rhea really soaked it up at home, um, and it was kind of a fun touch to to see her family in the front row uh, going crazy with her in the final moments. So for that, for me, it was all worth it. Uh, not ideal to have your weakest match of the main show on last, but... Um, but I thought it was fine, and the Rhea stuff worked for me, Todd. Yeah, I, I, we viewed this one pretty much the same. I thought it was fine for what it was. Weakest match of the main show. Kind of plotting. Nia Jax remains not very good, but they've pushed her enough that she's sort of got cachet in her role. And, um, you know, the crowd was into Rhea kicking out of the bonsai drop and hitting the superplex and the riptide and getting the pen. So I thought it it worked fine for what it was. Um, the thing actually that stood up to, to me the most about the match is sort of amusing to me was, as you mentioned, Rhea Ripley with her family. And her family looks so wholesome and like, you know, just like this, you know, sort of like friendly, happy family. And she's, of course, got the goth thing and, you know, dressed in all black and looks like this, you know, person out of, you know, a, uh, you know, like like a, I don't know, like a Batman movie we were talking about. I guess we were talking about the Batman earlier, mm-hmm. but like, um, you know, she looks like part of, you know, the Penguin's entourage or something. And then she's got this family that's just, you know, like nice Australian people. So I enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, I guess you could have got them up, but uh, but I loved that dichotomy as well. <laughs> I, I took note of the very same thing. Uh, Rich, go ahead. Oh, I, I loved it because it was like the before and after. I. I used to watch, there was a, a British sitcom called The IT Crowd, and there was a gentleman who was like a member of the I was thinking about that was, all last night. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. Duncan? The, yeah. yeah the in the next dog. one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he would like, whenever the light would come in, and he just like a vampire, like, like, that's her. But then when you meet her family, same thing, much like Duncan, you, you know, you think back to Rhea when she was recruited to WWE, and she looked, her and her sister were dead ringers. And so it's like all you need is whatever that origin story is going to be that finally turns them goth. It's going to be great. Uh, the match, however, was not great. I, I the, the only thing I had, unlike, uh, or I guess similar to the Lashley part of the men's chamber, was when Rhea did the outside uh, like dive and Nia Jax basically did the Samoa Joe, only she wasn't supposed to in terms of like not being there. And I'm like, you're really going to let this woman die? during her main event in her home country, just on business. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, like you guys said, pain by the numbers match main event of a, a very strong show uh, that kind of 
you know, got to where they needed to go. And I I thought she did really well. I think she did much better with her emotion than she did, you know, years and years ago when she got pulled up to the main roster because wrestling in your home country in the main event, you could tell she was deeply affected, but she was able to stay in character. Yeah, overall, uh, I enjoyed myself. Um, obvious outcomes aside, I, I had a lot of fun. I thought this show was really fun to look at. As a kid, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world at the Silver Dome, WrestleMania 3, that it opens and it's light. And by the time Hogan is body slamming Andre, it's pitch black outside. I just love that. And I love that touch here. I loved just looking at this. It felt just the scope of this was unbelievable. Uh, they they could have a mania and deserve one. Uh, not before Minneapolis. Um, let me just throw that out there. I uh, want Minneapolis to have one first, and I think we will. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't I think you have to worry about there. Perth getting WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, I I know it. I I'm just saying it, it. It was there. It would be. It would look beautiful. And I, I wonder if it's just the time difference alone where they would never do that. Um, and uh, and not have that here. So it's a thumbs up for me as a show. Um, maybe not one I'll remember super well. But uh, but a thumbs up for me, Rich. Yeah, I'm I'm also with a thumbs up. It's it, you know I was fine with it being chalk. I I thought that the stories they push forward, uh, the avenues they have now for say uh, the easy things like a Randy Orton, or uh, the things you can do now with any of the women in the chamber, or what happens now with Judgment Day. You know we talked a lot about Drew McIntyre, and this had been my dom agenda and i'm going to maintain it even with uh senor dinero in los banco or whatever however they they describe uh my main man but it wouldn't it be just absolutely like wouldn't it just tickle you i i i was waiting for him to cash in on cody when cody finished the story but if he did that to drew mcintyre and everyone could just be nelson from the simpsons and laugh i would be here for that oh boy i, I yeah i gave a lot of thought to that last night just Thinking about the fact that they always used to say you had to cash it in before the year was out. But I could see a situation where they have two people holding. I think that actually would be kind of fun and potentially funny if two different guys had a money in the bank contract at the same time. Um, If they don't think they have the moment, I think that would be that could produce some good stuff. Uh, Todd, overall. I was I was joking with a friend yesterday. Go the other way, and he he forgets to cash in with the years out, and that vacates it, and he he doesn't get to cash in because he uh, he blew it, um, and he feels stupid about it. Um, I thought it was a thumbs up show. Um, yeah, there wasn't a ton that happened um, of particular significance, but everything was good. Um, there was pretty much nothing that 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 bothered me in any real way. So yeah, I thought it was an easy show to watch and um, a thumbs up. Well, there you go, folks. I'm Kelly Wells. I cover NXT for The Torch and uh, and a whole lot of New Japan. I've seen every minute that J- New Japan has put on TV for seven years uh, because I'm crazy or something. Um, at Spooky Milk, uh, Todd, uh, anything to plug? I can only imagine watching all of those House of Torture six and eight man tags. Um, no, I have oh nothing to, nothing to, uh, to, <laughs> to add. They are... Yep, that's a rabbit hole. We'll uh we'll avoid going down. Um Rich, you've probably seen a lot of those too. 
I have, but I love myself in 2024 enough not to do it anymore. Uh, I'm thanks to the power of therapy and uh, <laughs> time travel. I, I've given up on that. Uh, I, I, as as Bomani Jones jokes, I've turned, I've gotten off that narcotic. So I, there you go. I, I can't, I can't do it as much, Kelly. Bomani is one of my favorite, uh, favorite follows on the place formerly known as Twitter, as well. So, so there you go, folks. Um, didn't think I'd mention Bomani Jones on this podcast, but here we are. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you soon at Maine. Cheers.